Welcome to the Echo Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message by Mike Smith. Hey, I'm so excited about your theme, Together. And I've just got to say, I'm so thrilled about the fact that you're doing revival groups, small groups. I really, I just want to say yes and amen to that. I, it is something that means a lot to me, small groups. I, um, I first went into ministry, how many years ago was it? Ministry when I was uh, 35 years ago. And um, the very first ministry that I had was I was in charge of small groups. So they've been going for some time. And I so much believed in small groups. I, this was at what is now called Hillsong Church. Back then it was Hills Christian Life Center. And I, I pioneered the small group system there. And we started off with two small groups. And when I left there, we'd had 100. And, um, and we used to always say, each year we used to say the same thing, small groups are the backbone of the church, uh, which that church, of course, is now one of the, well, it's Australia's largest church. But um, small groups were amazingly important. In fact, I just wanted to share a scripture which I, I got during the week, which I want to throw out to you. It's um, Acts chapter 2 and from verse 42. This is, the, this is the early church. This is when the first believers... Um, Well, this is when the church started. And in Acts chapter 2 and verse 42, it says, All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and a fellowship to the sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. I just want you to note this in that first line. All the believers, they devoted themselves. They didn't need pushing or prodding or talking into things. They were so committed to their relationship with Christ that they devoted themselves to the things that were going to help them to grow in their faith. And in verse 46, it says, They worshipped together at the temple, uh, church, met in homes, small groups, for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And I love this bit. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. There is something strategic, I believe, of coming together to church on a Sunday, but also being involved in a home with other believers. It's a together thing. It's a massive disciple thing, and it's got huge ramifications. So for all of you who are contemplating getting involved in a small group, I would say, For me personally, it's one of the most powerful things that I ever did as a Christian to commit myself to a small group. I think it's huge. And to those of you who've committed to become a leader, I just want to say to you, you've put your hand up for a great work. A great work. Well done, leaders. You put yourself in, you've put your hand up for a great work. So I just want to just say how excited and pleased I am um, about the fact that you're going this way. Anyway... My sermon, that wasn't my sermon, that was just a plug about something that I believe so strongly in. I've been a Christian now for 42 years. I've been a minister for 35 years. And I honestly would have to say that the theme of what I'm going to be talking about this morning, the guts of what I'm going to be talking about this morning, is to me personally, I think the most strategic thing for me, for my future, and has been for my past. I guess what I'm saying is that what I'm going to be talking about this morning, for me, is as important a thing as I could ever talk about. That's a bit of a plug. I guess at the end of the message, message you'll either say, boy, you sure gave us a bit of a sales pitch that wasn't true, but I think you'll you'll agree it's, it's pretty full on. Look, I just want to start with a story. 
Did I ever tell you about the holiday that Julie and I went on to South America? Maybe. <laughs> okay, a few years ago, actually it was my 60th birthday, we went to South America with a view of um, going up to Manchu Pictou, doing the, the, the Inca Trail. It was a very exciting thing. And um, I sort of Googled the whole thing. I sort of researched it on, on, in, on internet. And I thought, okay. And I was looking around and I thought, we, Julie, we are going to get involved in what is called an adventure holiday. And I thought, this sounds really cool. Uh, you know, I looked at it and it looked like a great thing to do. It was an adventure holiday. And I said, look, it's got mountain bike climbing and it's got white water rafting and it's the climbing Manchu picture. Anyway, we thought it was a great idea. And on day one of this adventure holiday, it was a day of mountain bike riding. And I'm not a bike rider. I'd only ridden a few times. And I had this picture of Julie and I pedaling through these beautiful fields and seeing all the Peruvian people doing their farming and waving at them and just butterflies and birds singing this, this serene picture. And uh, that was what I thought. I, to I told you, I said, this is what it's going to be like. Well, it, it, it was nothing like that. We got there. It was riding mountain bikes in the mountains. It was like going over pebbles and rocks and all of that. And it was up and down and on these bikes. It was an all-day thing. And after 20 minutes, I went to the tour guide and I said, can you please take us home? I said, can you please take us home? Because my wife and I, we can't even sit. Our bottoms are so sore on the bikes because we've never ridden before. And he said, no, so I'm sorry, sir. We're gonna, you're going to have to finish. We're going to finish this course. For six hours... Julie and I, 12 hours, <laughs> we carried <laughs> our mountain bikes. We couldn't ride our bottoms that we carried over, over these mountains. It was, we've never in our lives known tiredness like it. It was diabolically tired. It was so difficult. Even our, our instructor, who wouldn't take us back, he fell off his bike and fell onto a great big bush of thorn bushes. Julie and I secretly laughed <laughs> and, and helped him up. It was, for a whole day, it was like we almost stumbled. It was kind of like we are shot, we are gone, we can't finish it. It was, it was exhaustion to an extent that we'd never realised. We got back and we were completely and absolutely, what's the word? We, we were, there, was, there was nothing left. Why do I tell you that story? Well, apart from the fact I think it's pretty funny. This can frequently happen to us spiritually. We are on a journey. We are on a spiritual journey. And sometimes when we are on our spiritual journey, it is as though that we think, oh my goodness, I'm, I'm, I almost stumbled. This is so tough. This is so hard what I'm, what I'm going through. This is something that I think most of us, if we are honest, would probably say has happened in our lives. And this morning, I want to relate a, a Bible story to you about one of the, the Old Testament awesome men of God, a man called Asaph. Asaph was a man who, he was a worship leader. In fact, 
he was the worship leader of worship leaders. You, you know, when we think of worship leaders, we think, wouldn't it be amazing to be the worship leader at Hillsong Church? Or wouldn't it be amazing to be the worship leader at Bethel Church? Or even better, wouldn't it be amazing to be a worship leader at Echo Church? Well, this guy topped it off. This guy was the worship leader in David's tabernacle, in the tabernacle of David at Jerusalem. He was a worship leader. He, was a, he had a prophetic ministry. He was in the temple, Solomon's temple, when the glory fell, when the priests couldn't minister. He was a man who intimately knew God. And this is what he had to say. He went through a faith crisis. And in Psalm chapter 73, and reading verses 1 to 2, this is the testimony of Asaph, this amazing worship leader who headed up the worship in the tabernacle of David. He said, Truly God is good to Israel, to those whose hearts are pure. But as for me, I almost lost my footing. My feet were slipping and I was almost gone. This is a man who just loved God so much. This was the worship leader of worship leaders. And his testimony was, I almost lost my footing. He had a faith crisis. We sometimes have faith crises in our lives where we think, I'm almost losing it. I'm almost losing, losing the footing that I've got. This is a faith crisis. His faith crisis was an interesting one. It was because he saw... The wicked prosper while he himself was going through difficulties. He didn't understand. It's kind of like, God, I'm loving you with all of my heart, but things are so hard for me. But these people over here, they are wicked. They are proud. They are boastful. They're all of these things. And everything seems to be going right for them. And things aren't going right for me. He was going through a crisis of faith. God, I don't understand. I don't understand why this is happening. I'm supposed to be the blessed person, but look what's happening to these wicked people. This isn't right. I simply don't understand what's happening. And when we, get, when we are in a place where we don't understand what God is doing, it can cause confusion. We can get unsettled. It can cause, as Hillary was talking about, we can, we can become fearful. Our faith can go to the point where I've almost stumbled. I'm just gone. I've, it's, it's something that can happen. Faith crisis situations. Asaph almost lost his footing. He said, I was almost gone. This happens to us. This can happen today. Why God? God, I'm a Christian. Things are supposed to be working out always really good, but they aren't working that way. I don't feel blessed. I don't, un- I don't understand. I'm going through financial problems. God, I don't understand. This isn't right. I'm going through marriage problems at the moment. This isn't right. My children are having problems at the moment. This isn't right. I'm slipping. I'm losing ground here, God. I'm going through confusion and I'm not understanding. God, I'm just struggling. I'm being tempted really badly at the moment and I think I'm going to stumble. God, I've given in to temptation and I, and I have fallen and I'm, and I'm full of guilt and now I'm just, I'm gone, I'm stumbling. 
It happens to the strongest people in the journey of life, in our, in our faith. There are issues that can cause us to get weary and tired and stumbling. God, I've almost lost my footing. My faith is going. This is a crisis. I don't understand. I'm confused. Help. God, please help me. And there is a positive solution, and Asa found it. In Psalm 73, in the same Psalm, Psalm 73, verse 17, this was Asaph's solution, this great worship leader. He said, Then, then I went into your sanctuary, O God. In the midst of the confusion, I came into your sanctuary, O God, and I finally understood. In our Christian lives, there are some things that we simply cannot understand with our, nat- with our own natural minds. We just can't understand. There are some things we don't understand. Things that happen. God, I don't understand that. And in our minds, we go over and over and we try to work out, God, why has this happened? Why is this happening to me? I don't understand. Then Asaph went into the sanctuary and he finally understood. We need to get answers from God. And we get them in his presence. When we come into the presence of God, God's presence is everywhere, of course. But it's, it's when we do business with God, when we, when we say, I can't work this out of my own mind. My own mind isn't getting me there. I need assistance. I need God's perspective. I need supernatural intervention here from God. This is why the great man of God, David, who had the most victorious life, but had to overcome the biggest obstacles as well. Great blessing, but he had to really be a massive overcomer in his life, as you know, King David. King da- this, David said, the, the one thing I ask of the Lord, the thing I seek most is to live in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. David, in becoming the great, the great leader, the great Old Testament hero that he was, the slayer of Goliath, the guy who brought back the ark, the you know, the, the great king of Israel, the one thing that he needed was to, be in, it was to be with God's presence. Now, the fact is, God is everywhere. All, God is always available. God is everywhere. But I want to tell you this. In the Bible, in the Bible, where there was a place designated for the worship and the seeking of God, where there was a place designated... It was a place where there was special blessing that came from God. When sincere people went to a designated place of worship, something happened there in the Bible. It's, it's a powerful truth. And Asaph was massively empowered when he met with God in the sanctuary. When he went to the sanctuary, he was massively empowered by God. And... This is my testimony of 42 years and maybe for the next 42. Might be pushing a little bit there. This is the testimony that I have. I know that me meeting with God, specifically meeting face to face, is for me is number one. For me. 
It mightn't be for you. I'm just speaking personally. When I look at what I want to do in the future, what, when I look at what's going to empower me for my retirement years and beyond, I know that there is no substitute for me having encounters with God, developing, expanding my intimate relationship with God. It is, it is huge. And for the rem- remainder of my message... I want to talk about, I want to share with you guys the three biggest revelations that I've had in, my, in, in the course of my life in regards to meeting with, it's what I would call meeting with God in the secret place. There have been three major revelations that I hold in my heart and I want to see empowered and I want to see outworked big time. First one, which I want to share with you. You okay with this? Good. First one is is the revelation of Solomon's temple in the Old Testament. Read about it in in Chronicles. David had a plan to build a a temple, a house for God. It was in David's heart. It was Solomon who ended up dedicating it, the beautiful Solomon's temple. Um, David wanted to build God a house. God said, I don't live in houses, I'm everywhere. But go ahead, build me a house. So David had the plans, the Holy Spirit gave David the plans, it was built. It was the, the temple was a place where people could pray and they could, they could worship God. It was, it was a place where people would come with, with elaborate music and prayers and it was awesome. Some years ago, God spoke to me prophetically through that whole passage of Scripture. I was reading about this in a quiet time and God clearly spoke to me. He said, Michael, I want you to build... Just as David and Solomon built this temple, I want you to build a spiritual temple. Just a a spiritual, nothing physical, just a spiritual place where you can open the door and walk in and sit down and not be distracted by anything, where just a place where you will meet with me, have a prayer meeting with me. It's a prayer meeting. It's a prayer where we meet with God. And God said to me, if you will in your time build it, establish something in your, in your how to put it, in your thinking, in your, in your emotions, just a place where you can get alone with me. If you do that, I will visit you in a way like I visited Solomon and the nation of Israel. If you will do this, if you will build this place, Well, that was a pretty exciting thing for God to say to me because in 2 Chronicles chapter 7, this is what happened when they built. In in 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verses 1 to 2, they've just opened. They've had the grand opening of the temple. Solomon prayed. He went into this place, this designated place of worship and prayer. And when Solomon finished praying, fire flashed down from heaven and burnt up the burnt offerings and sacrifices, and listen, and the glorious presence of the Lord filled the temple. The priests could not enter the temple of the Lord because the glorious presence of the Lord filled it. Solomon went in and prayed, and then he experienced the glory of God, the glorious presence of God. Fire came down, the the temple The secret place, if you like, became a supernatural place where God came down with wonderful power and glory. 
Now, I'm well aware that God's everywhere. A while ago, I, I, I talked about um, every place and the secret place. I know God is in every place. But I'll be honest with you, I'm not brilliantly good at the every place. I need a secret place. The every pl- <laughs> I am one of those men who finds it hard to do two things at once. People say men find it hard to do two things at once. And I, I can't do two things at once. If I'm driving somebody, I'm either got to drive or, I've got to, or I'm going to be talking. If I'm talking, I'm going, to, I'm going to get lost. If I'm talking and making a cup of coffee, the cup's going to overflow because I'm talking. I can't do two things at once. And so for me, the every, the every place, I'm always aware that God's there, but I've, I've never mastered the just living and talking to God. All the, it's, it, it's just the way I'm wired. I, can do, I can't do two things at once. I'm thinking about something else. I'm involved. I'm busy. So for me, this secret place is, is highly important for me to have. And so I built a spiritual place. I would literally say, I'm now walking in. I'm sitting down. Oh, Lord, it's you and me. We are just talking together. It was just, I know it sounds silly, but this is how I have to do it. So I was well aware, no, Lord, I'm not going to be distracted by anything. This is you and me time. I'm having a meeting with you. And I can tell you, I would and I do experience God's supernatural presence in that place. The number of times when I've walked in like Asaph, God, I'm stumbling, I'm almost gone, I've got problems, I've got issues, I'm worn out, I'm tired. I've just closed the door. Hi, Lord. I love you. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus, that you're here. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Oh, my goodness, I just feel the burdens lifted off me. I, I've, I've, I've come in burdened and struggling, and I've, and I've got this peace now. The peace that surpasses all understanding from the presence of God when I'm alone with Him. It's a very real thing. It's a potent thing. So many times I've gone in with issues. Any number of issues. And when I've been in the presence of God, I've experienced His glory and His fire. And I've come out and I'm thinking, why was I so concerned about that? The second, I'm going through these quite quickly, but the second revelation of, that I was massively touched by was, was the revelation of, the, of Moses' tent of meeting. The Moses' tent of meeting in Exodus. The tabernacle had been built for Israel which would be a place where you would think where the worship would take place. But Moses was going through an incredibly difficult time. Leading the nation of Israel was very, very stretching. It was very easy for him to stumble. And so what Moses did, he established his own little tabernacle. There was the big tabernacle where everybody worshipped, but Moses built his own tent of meeting, his own little place where he would walk in and he would do business with God. I thought, yeah, that's, that is so strategic. You know, Moses, M- Moses was just always in communion with God and the tabernacle was built, but he felt the need to have his own little quiet place, his own tent of meeting. And it was a life 
life-changing experience for Moses. His little tent of meeting was so, was so significant. Exodus 33 and verse 11 uh, tells us why. In Exodus 33, 11, it says, Inside the tent of meeting, I just love that, the word meeting, meeting with God. This is a place where Moses went to meet God. God was, God's everywhere, but this was, this was, how would I put it? This was just <clears throat> intentional time. Intentional time where I'm not going to be, be distracted. I just can't go around driving and talking to people and having intentional time with God. I've, <laughs> I need this time. Anyway, Moses decided he needed to. Inside the tent of meeting, listen to this, the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. When I enter my tent of meeting, I close the door, hey God, and I often go, my Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. I just do the Lord's Prayer. I just get myself into that place. When I, get in, when I close that door, not only do I experience God's supernatural presence at times, sometimes he's always there, but sometimes I just get blasted, you know what I mean, but invariably I hear God's voice. He speaks to me face to face. When I have that intentional time with God, God, God speaks because he's always speaking. He always wants to speak to us, but often we're too busy to hear him. But when we have that quiet time, we get, to, we get to hear his voice. I could tell you story after story after story. In fact, whenever I do, do this, I literally have got to go in. I go in with um, my Bible because he often speaks to me about something and, I, and it's often got to do with something's happening in the Bible as a prophetic thing. I go in with a notebook and I go in with a pen to write things down and I go in with, with a phone because I'm off in the middle of praying and I've, God tells me to phone somebody up. And I phone somebody up. And it's often a very strategic phone call. God speaks in the secret place. This is so real to me. I've, I've shared this story with you before, but I'll, I'll do it very, very quickly. The time when I needed, desperately needed a healing, when my shoulders were completely wrecked and I had been months and I was desperate for a healing. And I was praying and Within my prayer, I heard, I heard the impression of God's voice saying, I have just told you I've healed you. And I went, what? And God said, this impression said, I've just told you I've healed you. I spoke to you with your Bible reading five minutes ago. And I went, in my mind, I said, no, you didn't. I, I, there's nothing about healing in the Bible reading that I read five minutes ago. But the voice was so real, I thought, but I'm going to check. So I picked up my Bible and I turned to the passage and there was the verse which I missed and it said, Tell Ephraim, I have healed him, but he did not know it. The voice was so real, it stopped me praying and I opened up the Bible. That is how direct God can be. And so I just want to say that when God spoke to Moses face to face, when he had his tent of meeting, he can do the same for us and he wants to and he does. The final thing, the final revelation I've had about the secret place is basically um, the revelation of Jesus, what Jesus taught about the secret place. And that is Matthew chapter 6 and verse 6. And um, Jesus says in Matthew 6, 6, when, <laughs> I like that, 
but when, not if, but when you pray, go away by yourself, shut the door behind you and pray to your Father in private. Then your Father who sees everything will reward you. Solomon's temple, presence, supernatural, supernatural peace and love and joy. Moses' tabernacle, he speaks. But now in Jesus' teaching, he says, your father will reward you when you pray. To me, that's, that speaks so clearly about the fact that God answers our prayers. God answers prayer. Just how simple is that? God answers prayer. Um, th- during this week, I've been reading John's Gospel, John chapter 14, and John 14 through to 17 is Jesus' final discourse, his final talk to his disciples before he was crucified. It's known as the final discourse of Jesus, John chapters 14 to 17. And I noted, because I, I, I colour code my Bible, seven times in his final discourse, Jesus has words to the effect, Whatever you ask in my name, I will do. Seven times. He makes reference to the fact that if you pray in my name to the Father, I will do it. Now, that is a a pretty positive reason why we need to be praying and asking God for stuff. Because we go into our little room, close the door, pray to the Father in heaven, and He will reward us seven times. Um, Jesus also talks about the fact that he also, say, say, he also says, until now you haven't asked for anything. You know, how often do we try to work everything out in our own strength and finally we end up praying? He says, you, you haven't asked for anything. If you start asking, you'll get, um, James sums it up. He says, you have not because you ask not. You don't have because you don't ask. And then James comes up with one of the most powerful testimonies and statements about prayer that we find in the entire Bible. James chapter 5 and the last part of verse 16, he says that the earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. What a great verse. And so when I see what the Bible says about that, it gives me great confidence to go into my little spiritual room, close the door and pray to the Father and and recognising that my prayers can literally change the world. This is the revelation I'm feeding in my own heart because I want to be somebody who can change the world through the power of prayer because that's what, what the Bible teaches Last Sunday, I was um, at a church and I, um, I caught up with somebody, a young guy who I was very friendly with um, years and years ago. He said to me, he said, you were my pastor from 1990 to 1993. <laughs> and, and I haven't really seen him much since. And um, this guy, incidentally, um, Dougie, you know this guy, He'd, he would be one of Australia's top drummers and one of the world's top Heavy metal drummers, Jason. Yeah. Anyway, we were talking away, and um, Jason made a comment, and I was stuck. He said, "So many Christians put down. So many Christians say it's 
coincidence and they don't give honour to God. And he gave an example. He said, um, he said, a while ago, I was looking for a singer for my, for my band and to find, um, I think they call it brutal death metal. <laughs> to find singers like that, it's not as though they're everywhere. And so he was trying everywhere to find a singer and um, couldn't find anyone. He was looking for a long, long time. And then he finally thought, why haven't I been praying about this? And maybe if you're in that type of music, you think, well, I don't think God's going to provide somebody you know, like that. Anyway, so he started praying about it. And, um, and he said to me, the next day he went to get his hair cut with his, the girl who always cuts his hair. And he was talking away and she said, oh, my husband's, um, you know, he's rather, rather depressed. He's a, he's, a, he's a singer and he can't find a job. And Jason kind of went, what? A singer? He said, oh, what kind of singing? And she said, oh, it's like death metal. And he went, Really? <laughs> He caught up with the guy, auditioned him, and now he's his band singer. And he said, you could say, what a coincidence that was. Or, God answers prayer. And as I look back over my life, I could say, wow, I've had so many coincidences have happened. And then I think, yeah, but I prayed about that. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's, we've just got to, we just got to recognize it. Okay, so... I said to me, this is such an important thing. For me, I know that my way forward is being together. Your theme is together. Being together with God. Having that type of relationship with Him. The prophet Isaiah, in the book of Isaiah, even youths shall faint and be weary. And the young men, like us on that mountain, shall stumble and fall, but those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. Another translation of the word renew is they shall exchange strength. As we wait upon the Lord, something supernatural will happen to us. We literally exchange strength. We experience His presence. We hear His voice. He answers prayer. This is what we can do as new creation people. We have this benefit, this privilege. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run. And they shall, they shall run and not grow weary. And they shall walk and not faint. I just want to say to you guys this morning, there is something so strategic about being together with God. And in the busyness of our lives, when we can do everything else, including using our own willpower and our own intellect and our own making things happen, there is no substitute for having that relationship with God. And my final scripture is Romans chapter 12 and uh, reading from verse 1. This, this is all part of the faith teaching of, of Hebrews, sorry, Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 11 is the, the list of the faith heroes. Hebrews 12 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. Yes, at times we feel like stumbling. Yes, at times we do stumble, but do we lie there and just simply lie there stumbling? We pick ourselves up. 
Julie and I had to pluck our guide out of a thorn bush when he fell into it. We had to pick him up and um, he got back on his bike and we continued carrying our bikes. And we finished the race. <laughs> we finished the race. We finished the race, Julie and I. But we, didn't, but we picked ourselves up and then the next day was another story, which I won't get into. That was even harder. Don't go on adventure tours when you're 60 and you've got no fitness. What's up to? Um, uh, and let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. And we do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Praise God. Heavenly Father, I just want to thank you for the wonderful provision that you have given us as your children. That you, you just want to sit down face to face with us, listen to our hearts, listen to our problems, touch us with your presence, speak in a way that we can hear. You want to answer our prayers and the fact that you are cheering us on as we engage on this incredible journey, this, this Zoe life that you've given us, this, this, this incredible journey of living with you, living for you, and it's going to be forever and ever. Amen. Lord, we just want to thank you for this. And I pray, not only for myself, but for all of us here, that we will have a burning revelation that there is no substitute for being together with you, speaking to you, spending time with you. Like David, this one thing I do, I want to dwell in your presence. Lord, I just pray that you will help us. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come and just inspire this in our lives. And I thank you, Lord, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 God bless you.